there we go. Well, good evening, Loudon. Good evening, staff. Good evening, supervisors. I'm going to call to order the October 2nd um, Board of Supervisors Zoning Ordinance Rewrite Work Session. This room has a hearing loop. If you need hearing assistance, please switch your hearing aid to the telecom mode. If you need a headset, we have uh, those available for you as well. Would everyone please join me in the pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So um, I was uh, uh, gone all last week. I had to go home to um, help with a, a medical emergency for my mom, and I got home just this weekend. And so although I have looked over the, um, the, this item for the meeting, it's, it's one thing to be in the meeting, it's another whole thing to chair the meeting. It's a, it's a, the, the chairing of the meeting is a much heavier lift. When I, um, on Thursday of last week, when I realized that I did not have time to adequately prepare to chair this meeting, I called the um, chair of the TLUC committee and asked him would he be willing to chair the meeting because I, I just was not going to be ready to do it. Um, and so he uh, agreed. Mr. Turner has been in all of the all of the meetings with me, with the stakeholders. He was at the meeting on, when was that, Mr. LaTurner, Mr. Turner, two weeks ago with the, the with that meeting. And he's been in all, all of the Friday morning stakeholder meetings. And so between that and him being chair of TLUC, I called Mr. Sains and he was fine to ask Mr. Turner to chair the meeting. So I am going to relinquish the chair seat. I'm gonna change seats with Mr. Turner and he will chair this meeting today. Um, I will be um, back ready to chair a meeting for our next zoning ordinance workshops. And of course, tomorrow when we have our regular business meeting, but without objection, I'm gonna turn the gavel over to Mr. Turner at this time. Well, no, you were chairing the meeting, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Madam Chair. I would like to declare a holiday for all county staff for the next six months. <laughs> See, that's why. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, well, thank everybody for being here. Um, I think we have been through the preliminaries. Uh, we have. Uh, we have had something come up which requires a, we hope, fairly brief closed session. So uh, without further ado, we're going to go into closed session and resolve that matter, and then we will come back out of closed session and, and resume the zoning ordinance uh, rewrite work session. So, Mr. Vice Chair, do you have the motion to take us into closed session? I move that the Board of Supervisors recess this public meeting and enter into closed session pursuant to Section 2.2-3711A8 of the Code of Virginia to consult with legal counsel regarding legal considerations concerning proposed text and motions for modification provisions in the zoning ordinance rewrite, a specific legal matter requiring the provision uh, of legal advice of counsel. And I will second uh, Supervisor Brisbane. Any, uh, any discussion? Any questions? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Uh, carry nine, nine zero, and we are in closed session.
Mr. Vice Chair, would you read us out of closed session, please? I shall. I move that the closed session be adjourned, that the Board of Supervisors reconvene its public meeting, that the minutes of the public meeting should reflect that no formal action was taken in closed session, and further move that the resolution certifying the closed session be adopted and reflected in the minutes of this public meeting. Please affirm, Supervisor Letourneau. Affirm. 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 Did somebody second? Affirm. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll second that. Um, we are out of closed no, session. No, no. Got a vote. Oh, all those in favor of coming out of closed session, please aye. say aye. 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 Any opposed? The ayes have it. Um, all right. Let's lay out some um, kind of rules of engagement here for the for the work session tonight. Very similar to the last uh, session that we had, um, a bit different in the in the the uh, sequence of the motions that we're going to cover tonight. Um, in the item as it was published, uh, item number two is motions from prior work sessions. Those prior work session motions, uh, several from Supervisor Buffington, for example, because he was not here, were carried over into this work session. We will go into a committee of the whole, um, and then we will discuss all of the motions as a committee of the whole. Um, I have one minute set on the clock. Um, what I did last time, what I'll do again this time, is um, we'll go through the motions, and I'll identify the motion in my judgment. It's strictly Mike Turner's judgment uh, to kind of set the, the, the stage as we go into that motion discussion. What I perceive is either a simple motion or a complex motion. A simple motion appears to have no, very little controversy associated with it. Usually staff supports the motion, and there should not be a lot of uh, time required on that motion. A complex uh, motion will require some more discussion. Um, I have one minute set on the clock. Um, if it's your motion, introduce your motion. You do not need to read the full motion. We remember that from the last work session. You can just say motion number three, and, uh, and you, I move motion number three. Um, take about 30 seconds to introduce your motion. Uh, I have a minute on the clock just to kind of be a prompt um, and uh, be as brief as you can. And in a committee of the whole, we can ask questions as needed of staff. And uh, so we will start off by immediately going to the uh, carryover motions. Uh, this is in your chapter five supplemental. If you go to the motions matrix, the motions are set up so that the first motions are the carryover motions from the prior session. Um, we'll do the carryover motions first in, as a committee of the whole. First we'll vote into the committee of the whole, then we'll do the uh, carryover motions, and then um, we'll have staff present on chapters five and six, um, and then we will have the stakeholders speak on chapters five and six. Then we will go into the motions for chapters five and six, from what I understand, some supervisors are concerned that they're seeing the motions for five and six tonight and don't feel comfortable voting on those motions. We respect that, and I'll always entertain a motion to table the motion that we're discussing to a future work session if you're more comfortable doing that. Um, but by all means, anything we can get done tonight on chapter five and six, let's get it done so we don't push work forward into the next work session if we can avoid it. Uh, but we'll, we'll take that on motion at a time. Um, any questions on any of that from the board members, from my colleagues? I see a light on, Madam Chair. No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, very well. I move that we take this uh, board into uh, Committee of the Whole. Is there a second? Yes, Vice Chair Sain seconds. And I have no discussion. Any questions on the Committee of the Whole? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? 
there are no, motion will pass 9-0 and we are now in a committee of the whole and we will take up carryover motion number one and that is Supervisor Buffington. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, uh, for my colleagues in chapter one, page one, at the bottom of the page, uh, section 1.02 application for the application of the zoning ordinance, uh, letter A, where it has territorial application. I'm just trying to add some language here and the gist is I'm, I'm not trying to change the meaning of this, of what's here already. I'm trying to just clarify, and my understanding is that staff supports this motion. I know we work with staff to come up with the motion, but basically what it does is clarify that the Board of Supervisors um, has full authority to make changes in places like the JLMA around towns uh, within Loudoun County. Um, because, and the reason I'm bringing this forward is there are, are certain members of certain towns, town council, that have made public comments during their town council meetings to members of the public from within their towns that the board does not have full authority to do this and that the board would require their, uh, their being town council uh, approval for before we would be allowed to make a land use decision in the JLMA. And staff, could you please correct or let me know if I'm correct that that is not accurate? What you're saying is correct, yes. Okay, we have that full authority and do not need town approval. That is correct. Okay. Um, can I speak more? Or? Uh, I think it's pretty clear, but okay. start wrapping it up. Just trying to clarify this here so that anyone who looks um, doesn't have to ask for a legal opinion by an attorney. It's just written clear as day right into the new zoning ordinance. So that's it, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Any uh, questions or comments? This should be a simple motion. Seeing none, any close? Just that I move motion one in the packet. And do we have a second? Second. Second from Chair Rendell. Uh, no further discussion. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Motion number two is a staff motion. I will make that. Uh, motion number two. Uh, I'll read it, it's fairly short. Uh, I move to change, uh, to change agricultural processing as a standalone principal use from a special exception to a minor special exception in the AR1 and AR2 zoning districts and to make corresponding changes to the use specific standards in section 4.08.12. Um, second from Supervisor Briskman um, and staff is seeking board direction on whether to change the use permission for standalone as shown in the motion. I don't see anything controversial. It seems like a fairly simple motion. Any questions or discussion items? Uh, Supervisor Kirsten. Thank you, Supervisor Turner. Um, I'm gonna probably, uh, I'm gonna support this motion. I believe I have a couple of questions. There are a number of other motions that deal with rural policy um, and a number of issues I may oppose tonight simply because, and I think there's some discussion as was alluded to earlier, simply because um, I think it would be wise for us to um, set those aside and deal with them as we have been saying, we're going to deal with a lot of them for a while here. But in terms of this one, this seems pretty non-controversial. I have received some feedback from the from the agricultural folks. What is is this right now under our current zoning ordinance a a uh, special exception versus a uh, minor special exception? Currently, it's an accessory use, um, and it's by right as an accessory use in most districts. Um, the commission 
received public input that they would like this use as a principal standalone use. Um, and the commission um, made that change in AR1 and AR2, but they made it a special exception. And we're now recommending that it be made a minor special exception to reduce the timeline and the fee. I'm out of time. Go ahead, Chair. Um, so as an accessory use, it would be far easier than uh, a special exception, is that correct? It would remain an accessory use, but it's also being allowed as a ah, principal use now. I see, um, okay. If, in case there's no um, on-site agriculture. I so see, okay. If that's the case, then it makes things, it makes it easier to accomplish, correct? Yes, correct. All right, I'm fine. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm going to I'm going to associate myself with Mr. Kirshner's comments. I'll support this, but for the most part, I think most of the most of the motions tonight that are regarding the rural policy area, I would I will either n not support or I will abstain them because I do think they should they should be part of the rural policy. So, um, because we said that there were that we would do that, and I do believe that whether or not in the end I'll support them or not is inconsequential to whether or not we're hearing all sides of the discussions, and I'm not sure we're hearing all sides of the discussions about some of those motions. Um, I, I probably will end up supporting most, most of them if, if, I, if I'm lucky enough to be up here next year, but I do think that it, we, we, we shouldn't make those decisions when we told a whole group of people we're not going to make those decisions right now. But for this one, I'll support. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor Buffington. And just associate myself with those comments as well. Um, we, we publicly said numerous times that we were going to do a future um, separate process after this Board of Supervisors to consider rural uses. And so my concern is to now go back and change that and try and make some of these changes. Uh, a lot of those folks, the rural economy uh, business owners, are probably not really paying attention anymore because we already said publicly numerous times that we were not going to do that right now. We're going to do it later. And so I'm not sure we would get um, both sides of the argument in the public discussion. I'm concerned that the rural economy uh, business owners would be left mostly out of that discussion or be cramming, you know, scrambling last minute to try and get in here and say something and not have enough time to really uh, put the thought and energy and effort into making sure that what they're saying, um, that they understand everything they're saying and any possible unintended consequences of that. So I think that those things should be done in the future, like we originally said. Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor Bressman. Um, I, I just want to back up for just a second. I don't know if staff wants to answer, the, answer this or if, if Chair Turner does, but um, Aren't there like three or four specific things that staff said we should resolve in the zoning ordinance rewrite, even though we have a CPAM and a ZOAM coming in the next term? And if so, isn't isn't this one of them that staff has said we really should address in the zoning ordinance rewrite? We have been trying to work with all sides of the community who have said we're okay with a lot of things waiting for a future ZOAM and CPAM, but there's these few things we'd like to tackle right now just as quick fixes. So we've been trying to work with the community, but it's absolutely at your discretion, of course. And this is one of those things? Yes. Okay. okay. That's what All I right. thought, thank you. Uh, Supervisor Letourneau. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, I would go as far as to say, at. I think it was the last work session, we heard from a few members of 
the agriculture community that there were a few things that they needed us to do that they didn't want us to adopt this zoning ordinance with some of this language because they would be stuck in limbo for a period of time until we did the rural uses zoam so it would be helpful to understand if there are concerns about any of these things that we're taking up now um, and i say that more broadly but I don't think that there are at least the ones that are moving forward uh, for votes. I think they're all things that there is widespread agreement on. And in fact, a desire from industry and the community and everybody to do so that we don't jam somebody up in, in the meantime. Thank you. Supervisor Rumsfeld. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, building on what Supervisor Letourneau said, are we going to jam anybody up with this change? I mean, because it sounds it sounds better than what's in the current draft, but it sounds potentially worse than what is in the existing current zoning ordinance. We're <clears throat> trying to unjam people up and give them another option so they can do this use as an accessory use, as, as we do today, or if they want a standalone we're creating a new process, a minor special exception, where the Planning Commission's draft says special exception. So we're making that standalone process easier. So for the same facility, will, will a farmer have the opportunity to choose either the accessory or the standalone? And are those two processes equally simple if it's accessory, that means they have an active agriculture on the property. If there's no agriculture, it would fall under standalone. And that's the new piece that we were hearing that the Western Mountain wanted, just the standalone with no agriculture. All right. And is this going to be a complicated process for them? The motion is reducing it from like a six to eight month special exception to hopefully a you know, four to six months minor special exception. Do we know what that will cost them? Do you know that, Brian or Teresa? We'll have to look that up for you. Okay, um, and the objection to having it just be by right? If it's by right, we don't know. It could end up being a large scale slaughterhouse we want to make sure we can have the opportunity to add any conditions of approval at the board level to mitigate any noise or smell that could be associated with a standalone use such as this. All right, thank you. And I'll just say in my comments, um, the I met with stakeholder group five and six on Friday, I believe it was, um, because they knew I was gonna chair this meeting. And um, I had exactly that conversation Supervisor Letourneau just brought up, that there are a number of items that they feel really strongly that they ought to be included in the ZOR. Um, and I said I would be happy to make those motions. I've talked with Supervisor Kirshner and Supervisor Buffington, and they may very well all go down to tabling to the future discussion of the, of the rural CPAM and, and ZOM. I'll leave that up to the board. I'm not necessarily advocating for them, but I did tell the stakeholders, you, it's fair to have a discussion on the dais around these selected few rural motions to see if they pass a litmus test of these really do need to be considered for the ZOR rather than pushed off 
we'll have that at a later discussion. I'll, make, I'll send staff those motions after tonight. Um, but those will be coming forward for just that purpose to see if they in, do in fact pass that litmus test of immediacy. Um, any other discussions? Uh, I have no close. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass nine to zero. Next motion is an endorsement of chapter three. Uh, I personally don't think we're there yet. I think there's a number of chapter three motions that could be made or that will be made in the future. And so I'm inclined to table this motion to a future meeting unless there is objection. Yes, Madam Chair. Thank you. I don't know that I would say objection. Can you, can you, do you mind sharing? I, I, I did think that one was ready to go. Do you mind sharing which ones? I mean, the, in, in, are they, do you mind if I ask, are they rural policy motions in chapter three you're talking about? The, the ones I was thinking were that there were rural, but I also had in my mind that there were some other chapter three motions that were still out there. Staff, do you know if there are any other chapter three motions out there? We are not aware of any additional chapter three ones, no. Um, <laughs> and this is a straw poll vote, so we could approve Chapter 3 and we could sure. bring changes back. We, could, we absolutely could, Mr. Chairman. Uh, all right. Um, I will make the motion then, and, uh, and we'll see where it goes. Um, I move the board. I move motion, uh, motion number 3. Is there a second? I will second that. Chair Randall seconds that. Uh, discussion, uh, again, um, my motions are going to be the rural motions to Chapter 3. I believe it's Chapter 3, and so um, I will probably bring those up later on in the process, but uh, for consideration. Um, boy, I sure thought it was another Chapter 3 motion out there, but any questions or discussion on approving Chapter 3? Chair Randall. Mr. Mr. Chairman, I, I, if, if, if you're actually going to make motions on chapter three, even after the rural policy motions, we probably shouldn't do this right now because, but I, I was saying that, I was asking, I was asking the question, were you making, were you going to make any motions that did not have to do with the rural policy because I'm obviously, as I said before, not gonna support those right now. But if you are gonna make those, then we probably shouldn't do this motion right now. I just remembered what it was. I, is uh, energy storage chapter three? Is that chapter yes. four? That's what I was going to say. It's both. The energy storage would be, um, ch in chapter three, it's where the use is permitted. And you did make those motions at the last work session. And the um, use standards would be chapter four. I do have a chapter three motion that I do want to, to make on energy storage in addition to the rural motions. So I'd like to hold off on this. Can you withdraw your motion? I'll, I'll withdraw my motion. Okay. Any other questions? Thank you, Madam Chair. Motion number four. Uh, and I'll let uh, Supervisor Sains read that one. Okay, as I stated last meeting, um, met with staff, the, the language wasn't what I was looking for when they presented it to us last week, so we got back together and um, came up with the language that we're looking for. So I moved that the board, board direct staff to revise table 4.06.02-1 facades standards to require all four sides of any data center building to meet the requirements of principal facades, including any necessary revisions to section 4.06.02 formatting and language for consistency and uh, clarity. Second with uh, Supervisor Briskman opening statement. Thank you. So again, all we're looking for is to ensure that all four sides of the data center's um, structure has some design elements to it. And that could be the differentiated surfaces with different textures, materials, colors, designs, 
Um, they could be functional windows, windows. They could be windows um, or faux windows, I should say. Um, and this includes the fourth mechanical wall. The design could be underneath the mechanical equipment, and there is still a screen requirement that we endorsed earlier on uh, September 11th. So I think this, again, we've talked about having some design standards, making sure our, our data centers are looking um, looking very good and, and presentable, and I think this uh, helps us get to get to that um, level that we're looking for. So hopefully you can support it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor Umstein. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I will be opposing this motion. We're we're trying to uh, impose upon one industry uh, restrictions and regulations. We do not apply to others. So we're not proposing that a Costco have all of its facades be principal facades nor a target. And where a data center is adjacent to another data center, it seems to make no sense to me to require that those facing facades all be primary facades. Um, I'm a little worried about targeting one industry in the county uh, and not applying this uh, uniformly. So I will be voting no. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, thank you. So, Mr. Saints, I understand what you're trying to do, and, and I and I support this, especially if the data center itself is in is near residences or on a. Um, a main, especially if you call it corridor like Route 7. So I, I think I would support this motion depending on where the data center is located. If the data center is in, quote, the data center alley, unquote, then that I don't think would be necessary. But if the data center is in a residential neighborhood or somewhere more obvious and bucolic, I would support it. So can I offer you a friendly to say that? Because otherwise, I, I don't know that I could support the motion. Um, can I ask a question of staff? Oh, sure. Is that staff? Do you interpret this to mean only for? To Chair Randall's questioning, is it for residential only, or is it for everywhere? As written, it's for everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will not accept it as a friendly, and the reason why, Madam Chair, is let's just have a standard in general. Um, let's have them look appeasing we have data centers now that are currently for example in data center alley we have one that won an actual design award for doing what they should be doing um in designing a, a very visual appealing building so i think we need to just have that standard across the board um in my in my opinion okay uh, supervisor glass thank you chair turner um, I just wanted to, okay, just to clarify, so you're talking about if the data center is also in the industrial area, you would want them to have on all four sides facade. Um, I'm not sure that I'm in agreement with that, especially if it's, it, I, I can understand if it's, um, you know, facing residential or, or if it's in front of the road. I'm. I'm and, and I understand what you're trying to do. I, I just, I'm not sure if, if I'm, I'm ready to do that. <laughs> Thank you. Supervisor Turner. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably in the same place as Chair Randall and Supervisor Glass. But is there a different, do we have a, a secondary facade standard or definition? Or do we only have a primary facade? There is a principal facade standard and a mechanical facade standard. There was a motion, I think, 
two or three right. motions yeah. maybe about yeah. secondary facades that didn't pass. Okay. Well, I think I think we need I think we should do this, and if this motion fails, I might even make it for residential adjacent and for road adjacent. And I thought we did yeah. deal with road adjacent already, okay. didn't we? And residential. That's the principal facade. Mm. Yeah, but well, we didn't say they had to be on all four sides, did we? No. In road adjacent or residential adjacent? If you're next to residential, then the side of the building that abuts the residential Only is that, a principal yeah. facade. If you're on a road, then that's the principal facade. I'm out of time. Okay. Can I ask for clarification on that? So if you've got a residential neighborhood on one side and a road on the other side, they have to have two principal facades? Nope. Then the the side that bases the residential is the principal facade, and then the mechanical facade can face the um, the street. Okay. Hmm. Um, Supervisor Briscoe. Thank you. Um, <laughs> not to open a can of worms here, but would this be modifiable? <laughs> Yes, because it's chapter oh. four. Okay, so they could come in and say, we want this to be modifiable because we're facing a small manufacturing facility or a quarry on this side. So we would like that. We would like to be able to do a secondary or something else because we aren't facing anything that would be disrupted by that type of view of the building. So this is modifiable. Yes, the use standards are modifiable by okay. minor special exception. With the minor exception. special exception. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, so it's only minor special exception. So the board would be able to have managerial control over if they come in and ask to do something different on one or two sides of the building, we can be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You're next to, you know, you're facing the airport on that side or, or whatever. So we could, we could do that. So in that case, since it is modifiable, I will definitely support the motion. Thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, Supervisor Kirshner. Yeah, I think my question was answered. Um, when I saw this motion earlier, I'm kind of like, well, didn't we or, and, and then I think I realized, and, and, and correct me, staff, if I'm incorrect on this, the big difference between this motion and a number of the motions that were passed by this body a couple of weeks ago is this one is requiring all sides regardless. And the, those were dealing with basically facing residential and facing main thoroughfare or thoroughfares. That is correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm inclined not to support this simply because it's far more burdensome than needs to be. And uh, um, I don't think, I think the data center industry opposed some of those, so they, I'm assuming they would oppose this as well. Is that is that fair? That is definitely fair. That's okay. correct. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Um, I can't support the motion. I think all four sides, uh, for no particular reason, just to say all of them have to, all four sides have to be a primary facade is unreasonable. Um, and, and not fair to that industry. Are you saying if there, not a, so if there is a data center that has a road on one side and the rest is surrounded by industrial or, I don't know, um, anything other than residential basically, no other road, just, just a, a public road on one side of the building, then that would be, that would have to be the primary facade, right? You would designate that as the, the primary that faces facade the for them to make look extra nice. Now, if you if you change that scenario and on the opposite side of the building, say you add residential, then residential would take pri priority over the road. 
And so the road would no longer be the primary facade, it would be the residential side? You would have two principal facades, but you would. the side that faces the road could be the mechanical equipment facade. So and is that a lesser standard? They're still prioritizing the, the side that abuts the residential. Okay, which I agree with. The residential should be top priority. Um, I can't support the motion. I would support something to increase, like in the example that we just used, so that the second side, which has the road, would also be a primary fa facade and have a higher standard, but not to the level that you're seeking in this motion. Okay, um, I have a hypothetical for you. Walk me through it. So I've got a buy-right data center that's going to go on a piece of land that has residential on three sides and another data center on the fourth side abutting this parcel. If we pass this, it would require them to put principal facades on all four sides buy-right but they could come in for a minor specs on the fourth side facing the data center, which would give the board legislative oversight to approve the minor specs on an otherwise by right parcel. Your understanding is correct. Yes, that's the motion on the table. Well, I'm going to support this motion then. I didn't think I would, but on that basis, I think I'm going to support this motion. Um, closing arguments. Supervisor. Uh, thank you, Supervisor Attorney. That's a very good example. Um, and that goes to, for example, if, if my colleagues remember, uh, we had a data center in, in my district recently off of Davis Drive that one side is residential, another side is uh, industrial area, office building on the other, and uh, a road uh, on the other side. So to supervisor's example, perfect example, they would, you know, if, they, if this passes, the front side with residential will be uh, primary, and then the other side they can come and we can look at it and say yes or no, or you know, whatever the case may be. And then Su Supervisor Brisbane's questioning earlier, as staff mentioned, this would be modifiable. So again, they can come in front of us and say, hey, yes, we agree, makes sense over here, but over here we're gonna be in a dirt road alley that's gonna be for trees and forests and not gonna be developed anytime soon or whatever. And we can say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, I, But I think this is the right thing to do. Again, it gets to the standards that we've all been discussing uh, about the data centers during this whole process and knowing, hearing from our residents, they wanna see a better product out there. So thank you. Mr. Chairman, may I have a point of information? Sure. My point of information is this to the staff. So you're saying it's modifiable by a minor special exception. Can you, can you tell us what is involved, both process and possible cost, in a minor special exception? We need to, we need to look that up, but we will get that information to you. I only ask because it sounds like, it sounds very easy. If it's not, it sounds very easy, I don't, I don't, I like to know the process before. Reason, I seem to remember four to six months and eight thousand dollars. But <laughs> so we are looking at eight thousand dollars for a minor special exception if it's more than ten thousand square feet, and it normally four to six months. That's that's the target for a clean application for a minor special exception. And one more point of information. Sure. And that special exception can kind of run right along, can it run alongside anything else you're doing? Is it always going to be four to six more months? 
It would run concurrently it would with run any concurrent. other application that's legislative. Yes, it run at the same time. It would run, so, so it's not a consecutive, it's concurrent. So it doesn't actually add four to six more months. It doesn't unless all they needed was a minor special exception. Okay. If it was by right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for the, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, that, that was my question, it, that it could be part of the application. That was my point of clarification. Thank you. Supervisor Buffett. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, point of clarification. Is it even possible to do all four sides as the primary facade? Where would they put the generators and all that if they're all four primary facades? Behind the wall. Oh. So the way the motion is worded is um, staff would need to look at 40602 to make changes to how it's um, formatted to make that clear. But um, we think the intent of the motion is to ensure that um, what you see looks and meets all of the standards that apply to the um, principal facades. So they could still put their um, cooling towers and generators and so forth behind a wall that looks like the rest of the building. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Any other comments, questions? Made in second and I have no close. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. Uh, that goes 7-2. Uh, if you said aye, please raise your hand. One, two, three, four. And if you said nay, please raise your hand. It should be five hands up. One, two, three, four, five. That motion will fail. Four, five. Uh, motion number five. Mr. Chairman, can I make an alternate motion on that? You topic, may. Please. Okay. So... I would move that the board direct staff to revise table 4.0621 facade standards to require all sides of a data center facing residential or a public road to meet the requirements of principal facades, including any necessary revisions to section 4-0602 formatting and language for consistency and clarity. Second. Second by Chair Randall. Discussion. Yeah, I think this is this is capturing at least my intent better, which is basically if you can see it, if it's going to be visible to the public or if it's going to be visible to a to a home, then it should have to meet the the principal facade standard. Um, I I understand maybe the minor special exception is not the most burdensome thing in the world, but quite frankly, I don't know how. I appreciate we try to make four to six months, but I have a sneaking suspicion we don't always. Um, and we certainly are going to see a lot of activity, so I would prefer to not send somebody through a minor special exception if it's truly not an issue that any one of us really thinks exists, because almost everybody has indicated they thought this really applies when it's visible. So if it's not visible uh, to the public, if it's not visible to anybody who's living there, then I don't think we should impose that requirement, but I think we should otherwise, and that's what I, hopefully the motion that I made would accomplish. Um, Madam Chair, any comment? So um, I, I will at least support this motion, but my question would be, what if one of the sides is facing a park, or what if one of the sides is facing, um, you know, something like Ravana, which has outdoor shopping and, and walking? So I'm, I, I'd like to make a friendly, I just don't know what terms to put in there, that we add a couple things to that, Supervisor Letourneau. Like if it's a park and or like, because you said the public, right? And the public could be any anybody's that that 
I don't know, one Loudon, right? There's people outdoors all the time at one Loudon. Do we really want our folks that are visiting one Loudon have to look at a data center? Um, but there's roads in one Loudon. Okay, there's, oh. Can, would you accept a friendly to add park? Um, I'm, try, I'm just trying to understand how this would actually apply. Like, is there, do you really think there's a scenario in which there's a potential data center site next to a park with absolutely no road near it? How would you even access the data center if there's no road? Well, I'm, I, may I continue, Chair Turner? Sure. There, there may be a scenario where the park and the data center are next to each other and the road is in front of both of them. Sure. Okay. Okay. I, I, I think, all right. At least a park. I mean, I'd like to add yeah. some other stuff, but at least a park, please. Who's the second? Are you, are you okay with that? Okay, thank you. Can I, can I hear the friendly again really quickly? We're adding a park to the list of what would require a, a primary facade if the side of the data, so it's residential park and road. Okay. Uh, Supervisor Rumstadt. This is, I think, substantially better than the original motion was. I'm still concerned because I, I can think in the town of Leesburg, we have a Costco, a Target, and a Coles, and they all, the, the backs of them all face a residential community. Now there is a fence uh, at the back of the commercial lot, uh, which tends to screen those buildings, but there is no primary facade requirement on them. And I don't wanna say if it's good enough for at Leesburg, it's good enough for everybody. Um, but I just, I keep thinking we are again targeting one industry. We are not doing this to big box stores. Um, and I have, I have friends who've driven down Data Center Alley and said it's like driving through a bunch of Costco's or Walmart's. So, I mean, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but I just don't like us picking out one industry and targeting it uh, when similar situations exist with other industries. So regretfully, I'll vote no, but I think this is, this is a step in the right direction. Uh, so where's Kirshner? So a couple of questions. Um, when we say park, are we defining park? Do we have park defined? It wouldn't be a sh shopping park. We do have park a, defined. Is it a county park? Okay. There's a lot of different parks are defined. Okay, so do we need to define that or are we, I mean, it seems very broad. I just wanna make sure we're accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish here. Do you, do you mean any park? Any park? Sure, I mean any park. A public park or what? I'm, I mean any park. Okay. Um, that, what's that? I, I'm a little concerned that broad, but I, I, I don't have the definition of park in front of me. When we say a facade on any side that, what, what if it's fully screened by, by vegetation, trees, et cetera, does it, they would still be required to put a facade on there even if they're abutting to a residential or a road under this? Yeah, under this? Yes, as it's currently okay. proposed, yep. So that seems a little bit over uh, overstretched without that exception, but okay. Uh, Supervisor Buckner. So if under current 
ordinance. If they are next to a road and it's completely buffered where no one on the road could see the building because of trees or whatever might be there, big, huge berm, I don't know, uh, would they be required to still make a primary facade that no one can see currently? So road frontage buffers are not meant to screen the buildings. They are aesthetic buffers for the roadway and not necessarily meant to screen. There's no wall component. There's no berm component. Um, it's more of like a boulevard. What if there was a building behind some existing woods that they're not required to remove and you can't see the building, but there's a road. There's a road on that side, but they're, they build it back in the woods do they still have to do it even if you can't see the building from the road? It, well, the, well the, do the woods belong to them in yes. the hypothetical situation yes. and they're using it as buffering? Yes. Just wondering if we make them do that even if you can't see it. Yeah. It's still facing a road, so yes, we would. And what would be the impact of this if it passes as is with the friendly B if there's residential on one side and a park on the opposite side and a road on another side? So all three sides now are primary? Is that what it would be? Yes. Okay. And last part, any, are you sure we don't need to define park because should we say public park? I mean, is there a private park? Do you, do you interpret this to mean county-owned park, public park? We have three different definitions for park. We have community park, passive park, and regional park. And they're defined based on the scale of the park and the facilities and the types of things that are at the park, not necessarily who owns the facility. Okay, thanks. I, I thank you for 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 the uh, grace of a little bit more time, Liz. I, I keep coming up with things in my head that I would not want a data center next to, like a golf course. Um, what was the other one I was just thinking about? Or I wouldn't want the I would want the primary facade, not that I wouldn't want a data center next to it. But I'm thinking golf course. What about like a creek, like Broad Run? You have another friendly. Well, I'm wondering if we shouldn't table it and just come up with a good list since since we didn't pass uh, I, I know I'm sorry, but right if, we if we're gonna list where we don't if we're, if we're gonna list where we want the primary facades I think we should list where we want the primary facades and that will make things more clear and we won't have to be run, You know running circles around well. This isn't really a park You know, this is just a community park So we don't have to abide by the primary facade or something. So I I, I, I would like to make a motion to table uh, can I get a ruling on a motion to table? Does it preempt the, base, the, the motion that's on the table? You're asking me? I'm asking Tim. <laughs> I mean, Leo. Uh, well, Leo. Leo. If there is a motion on the floor and a motion is subsequently made to table, does it take precedence over the motion on the floor? Yes. Motion to table takes precedent. Yeah. Thank you. I have a motion to table. No, no, the motion table stands a second, though. Okay. And so, got a motion to table, seconded by. Supervisor Buffing, by Supervisor Umstadt. Uh, and, he, and is 
Is it like the previous question? No discussion on the motion no, to the no table. Discussion on the motion to the table. All those in favor of table, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Opposed. Uh, Supervisor Sains and the chair are opposed. Uh, that motion will pass to table. <laughs> Seventy-two. Supervisor Sainz, like screamed loud enough for the whole room to. <laughs> uh, that motion will to table will pass seven to two. So this motion is tabled. Um, motion five, Supervisor Sainz. Thank you. All right, I move that the board direct staff to revise table four point zero six point zero two dash two to add a new requirement for soundproofing rooftop and ground level me mechanical equipment when a data center is located on a property adjacent to residential, which would read as follows: for data centers on property adjacent to property with existing residential development and approved CDP or plat or plan showing residential development or zoning district permitting residential use in any data center mechanical equipment located on the property, whether on rooftop, on the ground level, or elsewhere on the exterior of the property must be screened on all four sides by acoustical, acoustical barrier. For purpose of this section, acoustical barrier is defined as exterior so solid or levered wall containing soundproofing materials designed to absorb noise and protect neighboring properties from noise pollution. Second. Second by who? Glass. Uh, Supervisor Glass, thank you very much. Opening comments, and again, we don't need to read the motion. Save some time here. Go ahead. Well, it's the first time being introduced, so that's why I did that. Okay. But um, as it captures in the last part there, this is it could be an exterior solid wall or a levered wall containing soundproofing materials to absorb the noise. We're getting complaints about the noise that's coming off the data centers. This is in regards to data centers adjacent to residential, which I think you know, from our previous conversations, it sounds like folks were looking for better to designs, again, to help our residents who are complaining about the data centers in their neighborhood. So uh, thank you. Comments, Supervisor Armstrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards supporting this, but I have a question for staff. Do we have any knowledge in-house as to the extent to which this these requirements would be feasible practical can they can they be implemented we have knowledge in building and development we would need to confer with them more thoroughly but this type of acoustical treatment is done all over the world all right okay thank you other questions comments Closing statement. Supervisor Sainz, closing statement. Uh, closing statement to Supervisor Armstead's questioning and staff just answered it. Yes, we do have to actually have a real life case in here in Loudoun County and Sterling. Like I said, the Vontas Data Center, that application did have soundproofing for their rooftop uh, equipment when we passed that one recently. Motion been made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Surprise Sainz, I think you have the next one as well. Yes, Motion sir. Number six. Motion number six. Um, since the chair said not to read it, I'll just summarize my motion here. Motion is, if you remember, we had a discussion previously about having some uh, time frames for genera genera generator testing. So we are adding in uh, a time frame uh, from 11, excuse me, 11 o'clock a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m. between October 1st. And April 3rd, this kind of covers the, the time period that's left open from the DEQ requirements that, um, that we verified from staff that are, or that are a requirement. And I believe that uh, 11 to 5 are regular business hours that people are up and about doing their, their daily activities. There, yes, there might be instances of somebody taking a nap or whatever have you, but obviously we can't control when everybody's taking a nap. But I think 11 to 5 are you know, known business hours for, for people to be up and about. 
Any questions, Supervisor Umstadt? Oh, yeah. sorry, Luterno. <laughs> yeah, I may offer a friendly on this. So the only, my only issue would be these are ultimately subject to Virginia DEQ regulations, and they could change. So I, if you're open to it, I would just add a friendly that the language subject to Virginia Department of Environmental Quality regulations be added to this so that it's it's in case it does change down the road, we don't have to amend the zoning ordinance. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be open to that. Okay. That friendly is accepted. Thank you. Comply with Virginia DEQ guy, uh, regulations. Uh, other comments? Supervisor Armstrong. Yeah, so my understanding is this um, proposal is in compliance with DEQ re regulations at present. It's in compliance with, it's trying to fill the gap of what DEQ doesn't address. The A is DEQ and B kind of fills that gap. But I, I do strongly encourage Supervisor Letourneau's language or as otherwise subject to the permit that they've been issued because we don't know what that could possibly say. Yeah. Does, in your opinion, does Supervisor Letourneau's language replace B? Or is it is it just supplementary? Supplementary, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to vote for this at this time. Um, I would really like to be able to touch base with um, the industry to find out if this is a practical uh, solution that they can actually implement. Um, I may support it later on in the process. Thank you. Other comments, questions? Closing. No, thank you. Like I said, I'm sorry, uh, Chair Turner. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. We don't actually have a motion with a second. Oh, I thought last second. I thought you made. Yeah, a motion. what we, what we heard, what we heard was Chair Turner. Chair Turner, you say, the next motion is for Supervisor Sains, and then Supervisor Sains went directly into the opening. No, I read the motion. No, no. He said, I won't read the motion because the chair told me not to read the motion. So he. Right, you summarized it, but we right. didn't actually. Oh, refer. okay. Motion number six. Sorry. That's you move motion number six. Move motion number six in the packet. And then the second. By yeah. Supervisor Letourneau. All right, okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that catch. I appreciate it. Any other discussion? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye. That motion will pass 8 1. Next motion is a staff motion. I'll. Uh, motion number seven, um, and uh, this is a short one. I will read it it's for clarity. I move to affirm the Planning Commission's recommendation that regulations for Virginia farm wineries, limited breweries, and limited distilleries be addressed in a future comprehensive plan amendment and zoning ordinance amendment. Uh, that seems pretty straightforward second. and simple. I have a second from Supervisor Buffington. I have no opening comment. Any questions? A hearing none. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Next motion is for Supervisor Buffett, motion number eight. Thank you. Um, this is regarding stable library. And I guess I would ask staff, if we don't make this motion, will this issue be taken up later on in the future uh, rural uses ZOAM? Because that was the only purpose of making this motion. So if that's already the case, I think it's good to make the motion so we know your intent. Okay. So I will go ahead and move motion eight. 
regarding live library stable. Second. And uh, seconded by, was that you, Supervisor Kirshner? Yes. Okay, seconded by Supervisor Kirshner, opening statement. Again, this is an affecting or impacting our rural uses, uh, being the equine industry, and we have uh, draft language that has been updated by the Planning Commission. However, uh, we receive some language from LCA, L Loudoun County Equine Alliance, saying they support some of the changes, and then from my understanding and the best of my staff's understanding, having, having had conversations with some from the Loudoun County Equine Alliance, there are other areas where they would like to see changes, but they haven't provided all of the information on the specifics of the changes that they would like to see. Uh, so for that reason, and because this impacts the rural uh, economy and we plan on doing a future rural economy, uh, ZOAM, then I make this motion just to make clear that this will be covered in that future rural economy ZOAM. Rural uses ZOAM, mainly impacting the rural economy. Okay. Other comments, questions? Supervisor Kirshner. Thank you, yes. I think this is important. Um, I, I do know that we, we have such a large equine industry here in the county that we really want to get this right. I think they are very separate and apart from a lot of our agricultural uses. And I think it's really important that we put a CPAM together that specifically addresses their needs. I think, um, of course, sometimes they have to build exceptionally large buildings. A lot of times they have um, people who are coming to use their stables on a regular basis. We do not want to overburden them. This is something that we certainly enjoy as part of this county in Western Loudoun. It, we are number one in the state in our horse industry, and so we want to make sure we, I think, ultimately get this right. And I think that's really, I, th I see the purpose of this to make sure that we meet the needs that they have ra rather than getting them lumped into other agricultural uses. So I do support the motion. Thank you. Other comments? Uh, Supervisor, uh, Chair Randall. I just want to associate myself with Supervisor Buffington, Supervisor Kirshner's comments. Thank you. And Supervisor Brisman. Oh, I'm sorry, Supervisor Buffington. Thank you. Yeah, I just want to get this right. Uh, I'm doing this in favor of the equine industry. We have an outstanding equine industry here in Loudoun in Virginia, best in Virginia. And we want to make sure that uh, there's plenty of more opportunity for input on this before we make the final decision. So let's just do it once, do it later, and get it right when we do it. Thank you. Thank you. We have a point of information for the vice chair. So Supervisor Buffington and staff alluded to we're doing a ZOAM down the road, when would that happen? Do we have a, is that next year, I guess, or with uh, some others? Once you have a new board, mm -hmm. you all will prioritize when that should happen among all of the other items on our work yeah. plan. It's just adding up, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. I just want to clarify when that was. Okay. Thank you. Made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That motion will pass 9-0. Uh, I, where am I here? I move to table motion nine to a future ZOR work session. Second. It's seconded by the vice chair. Opening comment, I've got a motion uh, that I'm working on that on energy storage that affects chapter four and there may be others. So we'll push that off to the next uh, work session. Uh, any other questions or comments? Um, motion to table moved and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Uh, okay, <laughs> works for me. Um, 
And we are on to chapter five. So with that, I would ask staff to prepare the presentations for chapter five. Good evening, my name is Kate McConnell and I'm presenting this evening on Chapter 5, Overlay Districts. An overlay district is a zoning district that overlays another zoning district. And within the applicable overlay district boundaries, the regulations of both the underlying zoning district and the applicable overlay district apply. There are eight overlay, zone, overlay districts in the county. You see seven of them on the screen here. The eighth is the Route 28 corridor overlay district. This is going to become a legacy district and it will be continued in the, uh, the draft zoning ordinance to regulate uh, a handful of properties that have taken advantage of that optional overlay to convert to, or to um, convert into that Route 28 corridor district. The regulations in the overlay districts are largely carried over from the current zoning ordinance. We've made some minimal changes um, to some of the, the districts to implement the 2019 general plan, and I'll go through those changes briefly now. We have the airport impact overlay district. That incorporates ZOAM 2021-2, which was adopted by the board in January, uh, in January of 2023. There are no other changes to that, uh, that district overlay. There, we have the floodplain overlay district. There's no changes proposed at this time, but staff does anticipate update, updating the FOD as part of a standalone effort after adoption of the draft zoning ordinance. This is primarily to ensure that the county can follow the required state and FEMA review timelines when uh, revisions are made to the floodplain overlay district. There are some strict timelines that need to be followed and we are concerned that that they might <clears throat> not be met as part of, if it was undertaken as part of the rewrite. We have a quarry notification overlay district. This requires notification of impacts related to quarry operations and there are no, um, there are only minimal changes with that district. The village conservation overlay district, which applies largely to rural historic villages in the county and is intended to protect and maintain the historic character and development pattern of those villages, I'll go over uh, some of those revisions in a moment. We have the historic overlay district. Again, very minimal changes. Primarily, we relocated this overlay district from uh, essentially a procedure section of the current ordinance to be grouped with the other, other overlay districts in, the, count, in, in, uh, in the, the draft zoning ordinance. We have the mountainside overlay district, which regulates development on mountainsides to protect this natural resource. And I will go over a couple of changes on the following slide. And then lastly, we have the limestone overlay district, which protects karst and sensitive environmental features. And there's one minimal change there that I'll go over in a, uh, in a following slide. So in the mountainside overlay district, the boundaries of the MOD are not changing, but the draft does in strengthen protect protections in the MOD. The draft includes new ridge feature protections. These are um, for the county mapped ridge lines, within, again, within the current limits of the MOD, and we added some new regulations that prohibit land disturbance within these ridge lines. Uh, the, any use related to agriculture, public roads, or public water and sewer are excluded from those um, prohibitions. 
We increased the setback from spring features from 100 feet to 300 feet, consistent with the 2019 general plan. Uh, and then we also revised the way to calculate somewhat sensitive, sensitive and highly sensitive areas in the MOD. In the draft, these um, areas are consistently based on the amount of forest and steep slopes in the area that you would be calculating. Um, at times in the current ordinance that there's also a, uh, an inclusion of lot size in that calculation. So that portion has been removed. And then lastly, the amount of tree clearing and land disturbance that's allowed in the MOD isn't based on the sensitivity, that somewhat sensitive, sensitive, or highly sensitive uh, for non-residential uses. So there's less, less disturbance permitted in highly sensitive MOD areas. In the Limestone Overlay District, staff rec recommends a minor change to allow some administrative flexibility to the LOD development standards when a deck is proposed uh, in an area where a geophysical study does not identify any karst or sensitive environmental features. So it'll make it easier for someone to build a deck if there's no none of those features in the area where the deck is proposed. And then in the Village Conservation Overlay District, we had um, some changes to better implement the Rural Historic Village place type. So the VCOD regulations apply generally in the same location as the Rural Historic Village place type. And to the extent currently feasible, these regulations implement the Rural Historic Village policies and design guidelines and identified in the 2019 general plan. We made some revisions that are intended to further reinforce the pattern, character, and visual identity of the existing villages by improving me measures for achieving compatibility of new development with the existing development pattern in the villages. And these updates are intended to provide some interim protections for the rural histo historic villages until small area plans and related zoning regulations are developed pursuant to the 2019 general plan policies. So some of the revisions that provide these interim connections are some revisions to existing development standards for height, average front yard, garages, and the variation of lot sizes and dimensions. And we added some new site and building element development standards regarding feet, building features, side yards, rear yards, maximum lot size, building area, and lot coverage. And again, these would be uh, revisited once small area plans are, are created, and then those would provide additional guidance for zoning regulations to better implement the village, rural historic villages. So based on some public comment, we did go back and revisit some of the proposed development standards and are proposing some changes to further cl clarify and make sure that the implementation of the, of the standards um, is successful. So the first recommendation is to add some clarifying language that the development standards only apply to new construction. So they're not gonna to apply to the existing building that's in the village. They're only gonna to apply to any new principal buildings, any additions, new accessory buildings, or new subdivisions. We're also proposing a change to the, the maximum height, which clarifies that when you're um, calculating the average height of the buildings on the same side of the street to determine what your average height can be, that you take into account um, a building feature requirement that you're, all, you're only, you're gonna provide a building that's 
similar in stories to other buildings within an area, and you're only going to use that building story height, the number of building buildings with the same number of stories to calculate the height. Excuse me. Um, we did some preliminary calculations and realized that if you added one or two, even at times one or even two one-story buildings into a calculation, but your intent was to achieve a two-story building, even with that 25% increase, you wouldn't be able to, you might not be able to achieve a two-story building. So we wanted to make sure that if that's the character of the village, that you can achieve that building height. <clears throat> For average front yard, we included a, a, a way to calculate that average front yard. It came to our, um, was noted by public comment that there are places in the county, old lots, old layouts, that sometimes a building might encroach into a right-of-way. So we're clarifying that if a building does encroach into the right-of-way, you don't really have a front yard to use in that calculation. You just use a zero lot line calculation. It doesn't mean that the building has to be at the zero lot line. It means that that's the, the yard that you would use in the average calculation. So you would have a range of building you know, yards, you're calculating the average, and then you can be 25% more or 25% less. It's not requiring you to be directly at the, at the street frontage. And then under the variations of lot sizes and dimensions, we included a new requirement to, to um, determine a lot width based on the average of the largest and smallest lots within a certain area of um, the new uh, subdivision that's being proposed. And again, this only applies to new subdivisions with six or more lots. And since we have the lot width requirement, we're proposing to not have the average side yard and average rear yard requirements apply. So essentially, we're just looking at the width of the lot. You don't have to figure out the average side yards because essentially what you're doing with the width in, and the front yard setback is establishing the pattern of the streetscape through those two regulations. And then lastly, we received some comment both in support and an objection to the revised garage standards. Um, staff did is proposing to maintain the garage standards as, as included in the draft zoning ordinance. Um, these standards were revised to require that new garages be detached from principal buildings and also limits the garage, door, the garage door size to the width and height needed to accommodate two vehicles. So it doesn't mean that you can't have more than one garage door, it just means that when you provide a garage door, that that's the size that the, the garage door needs to be. We recommended this new requirement for garages to be detached from principal buildings uh, based on the 2019 general plan rural historic village policies. They anticipate development to be compatible with the historic deve development pattern in villages in historic, deve historic development, outbuildings and accessory buildings are detached from principal buildings. They're not attached, so um, we're proposing the same thing for garages. And then lastly, we have one recommended quality control revision to strengthen the enforceability of, of the, actually this is the Route 28 corridor overlay and we're recommending um, that that be included in the motion for supporting the overlay district regulations this evening. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, any questions for staff on Chapter 5? Supervisor Umstein. Oh, thank you. So we've gotten a few emails um, expressing concern. 
Um, I just read through Mr. Zick's uh, list of concerns, and I think he makes a very, very good point that every village is unique, and they have different development patterns, different historic development patterns, and we're, I think, trying to, to have a one-size-fits-all approach to them. So um, my understanding is, is he would like this not to go forward now, but for more thought to be put into it. And he's certainly not the only person from whom we've received emails in the last day or two expressing concerns. One thing that occurred to me, um, if someone wants to put a deck on, on, their, on their building, do they now have to go and pay for a, a geotechnical or geophysical study to be done to prove there's not a karst issue? That is correct, and that is uh, currently how it's administered in the, the current revised 1993 zoning ordinance, and this actually gives them a little bit more flexibility. Um, so th any land disturbance, including an addition, which a deck would be included in that, currently requires um, that geophysical study to be done. Okay, so what you're saying, you're not changing that rule at all? That is correct. Um, why was it on the slide? We were talking about, we, in the presentation, we provide an update of what's changed. So what's, what's new in the, in the overlay districts, and that is one of the things that's been changed and is new in the, in the limestone overlay district. Okay. That is the one change. So it has so changed. What has changed is that it's an administrative approval now. It's, a, it's more flexible than if, if you, in the, in the past, if you wanted to build a deck, you had to go through a process. So in the past, it, it's been a little bit unclear okay. um, what, what would have been required. And in some cases, um, it, a geophysical study would not be required. It depends on um, the, when the, um, the residential structure was, was built um, and then if there are any mapped features. Um, but it, it does give a little bit more, more clarity on the staff side. So, but we're, we would still be requiring the homeowner to pay for this study. Do we know how much the study costs? Uh, it, it varies based on the consultant, but um, th that's something we could um, discuss with building and development and get back to you on that. Yeah, I'd like to know that. We, we do have a county um, karst or limestone overlay district on maps of the county. Do we not believe that is accurate? Is that why we're requiring homeowners to pay for another one? It is correct that we do have some um, features mapped on our soil map um, that's available through County GIS, but that is based, not necessarily based on site-specific information. That's based on um, soil survey data from USDA, um, NRCS, um, that is not as detailed as um, what a, a, an engineering or professional geophysical study would identify. Okay. So it is possible that there are features on sites within the limestone overlay district that are not mapped. Okay, thank you. Supervisor Kirshner. Thank you, Supervisor Turner. I have a kind of rapid fire questions here, trying to get a lot of questions in shortly. So first of all, I appreciate the level of flexibility on the karst. I can't, 
I, I sometimes wonder if that shouldn't be applied to pools and anything in your backyard. It's within reason, but the flexibility is, is helpful. It's going to make my office a lot less busy um, with all the complaints that we get when people run into that sort of thing. Question real quick on the mountain over, overlay district, the spring feature, you've moved it from 100 to 300. Is that mod modifiable? Because I can imagine that's going to get a few people caught up. It's not modifiable at all. No, nothing, nothing in the overlay districts is proposed to be modified. And what I mean by that, ultimately, there's no flexibility that staff would have with that in, any, in terms of administrative exception. If, but that's pretty much a hard and fast at this point, the way it's written, as far as you can tell. No. Okay. Um, moving on to the village conservation overlay. Yeah, I, I have a lot of concerns. I think it's like four motions we have here. Um, I think, are we going to hear from the industry on this? We are. Okay, great. But one of the things I would like to ask the staff before the industry comes and sp speaks on this is um, we are planning to do small area plans for each of these villages moving into the future. Is that part, that's part of our general plan process, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Dan's might be. And okay. It's a policy. There's not, there's not guidance yet um, with specificity about the order in which we would do them, speed in which we would do them, but that is the intention of the general plan. Do you do you need any? You don't need anything from us as a board, like a BMI, saying, "Hey, let's do do this." That's something that's in the plan, or you will get. We will give you guidance beginning of next year, perhaps. So we already have two villages that are that are Correct. in the work plan right now, and and um, we've discussed with one board office the potential of a third. Uh, I think at, if there's an interest in it, it, I'd recommend having staff bring back sort of a. a more expanded piece of the work plan for discussion that would prioritize the villages in order instead of just having them kind of roll in. Thank you. Ask. Yeah, that'd be super helpful. The, the last question, because I know, I mean, we're on a minute clock. We're kind of commi um, committee as a whole. Um, under the strategies of the general, act, it says coordinate with rural villages, historic villages, communities to determine appropriate methods, differential entrance to villages, et cetera, et cetera, surrounding areas. I'm a little concerned we're getting the cart in front of the horse on this by doing so. I understand, hey, we want to protect these, but I mean, there's a lot of protections already that exist within these villages. So we haven't really coordinated with any of these villages or the communities on these particular recommendations that we have here isn't that correct we did do some initial public outreach with okay. with village village um i can't remember their name but in the in the rural uh okay <laughs> i got it i, I know who you're talking about yeah but yes historic village alliance but but yeah. aren't we concerned that this one is not going to fit all each of these villages are different and unique and i'm just concerned on any of these the side setbacks the the heights etc that perhaps we are moving a little quickly. Well, that is why we said to take into consideration the air, you know, a, a parameters within the, that new construction so that you're looking at what's out there to base it on what you're, I mean, which is essentially what the existing VCOD does as well. This is just sort of revising that a little bit and adding some additional yeah. considerations. I, I kind of, I'm, I, I guess I'm of the mind, and I, I will get to that, but I'm just of the mind that maybe we, we push this off until we do those small area plans, but anyway. Thank you. Other comments? So regarding those small area plans and all of these changes that are in the motions for tonight, are you saying that we should adopt these until such time as we're done with the, each small area plan? That's correct. And as we're done with each small area plan, that Whatever comes out of that would kind of trump this or replace the these if That's, there's any changes. Yes, if there were changes that. Okay, but we don't know right now how long that would be for each village because we haven't told you which ones to do, 
That's correct. in order for yeah. all of them. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think personally, if there if there was a motion to delay this, I think we, I would strongly consider it because um, there's a lot of changes in here. It seems like there's a lot of changes in here, and I'm not sure that all of the village folks really understand what what most of these are. Or uh, so I'm just a little bit iffy about supporting this right now when we are going to have we know we're going to have a process in the future that will specifically apply to each village so not sure where i'm where i'm at right now thank you madam chair so are mr kirsten i mean yeah mr kirsten mr buffington um are you through the chair if i may are you making the suggestion that for just this overlay district we move the, move it or move it to the discussion in the rural policy area because because I'm, I'm saying this because we don't want to delay the whole chapter, and we don't need to delay the whole chapter. And if we keep pushing things off, we're not going to have a zoning ordinance if we if we keep doing this. I mean, really, at some point, you have to like you know fish or cut bait, to be quite honest. So if you're saying that for on on this issue, because there there, there would be no reason to, you know, to, to delay the you know the airport overlay district or something else. So I'm I'm asking, are you saying just for this one through the chair? That's that's my question. The question is to me and what I, no it's through the chair not it's not to the chair it's through the chair for right. me the answer would be yes just this specific overlay district mr kirshner y the yes chair? and that's simply because it's part of our plan to look at each of these villages yeah, and i, I don't disagree so why, with you. I, why do yeah. why do we kind of get yeah. into no, it i don't i don't disagree with you I just and that is, cor is absolutely correct thank you okay all right so th that might be that might that might be something that one you want to be put in, in a motion that with the exception of this overlay district um, when the motion is made. <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <coughs> Thank you. Uh, that was actually my concern as well, that if we don't do the overlay districts, can we pass the zoning ordinance? Um, what, what are the consequences to holding this particular um, overlay district out? Can we still move forward with the zoning ordinance and with this chapter? I think what you're asking is, would you want to reinstate the current VCOD regulations that exist in the current ordinance and just carry those over into the draft zoning ordinance? Well, that's what would have to happen because there wouldn't right. be anything new. So then what's the consequence of that? Is well, it another CPAM or ZOAM that we'll have to do in the next term? That would be based on the small area plans for each village. So then what I, what I think the rest of the board was discussing was there would, they would look at the rural historic villages one by one, do a small area plan, and then develop any zoning regulations out of that that would apply to that village. And so it wouldn't be kind of an overlay that applies holistically. They would be developed if they felt like there was something that needed to be developed specific to a village for that village itself. But it would require another ZOAM process. Yes. It would be another ZOAM process on top of each town's small area plan. Each village yes. small area plan, yes. Would it be a ZOAM with each village small area plan, or or we would do all the small area plans and then do a ZOAM? It's up for debate. I mean, right now the, the VCOD is primarily written in as the part that's in the ordinance is applies to all of them. So we could wait until the end, but that'll take quite some time. So if we are discussing eventually doing slightly different things in different villages, then um, 
we would have to discuss that well, further. If, if we were doing so we're into the theoretical here and okay. not, I want to stay focused on chapter five and whether we should approve chapter five tonight. So let's restrict our questions to just chapter five and the VCOT. Okay, well, can, can, so then if we want to approve chapter five, we would do it without the new draft VCOD. You would need to make a motion, like Kate said, to reinstate the current VCOD, because we have to have some VCOD regulations. Yeah. We would need direction on which of the draft from the Planning Commission, which regulations to back out. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Supervisor Buffy. So could, regarding the Village Overlay District, could we make a motion that says re revert back to the 93 for that district until such time as the rural uses uh, occurs where yes. you could consider it then it wouldn't be part of the rural uses no it wouldn't be part of the rural uses it would, would be, be the village area okay, plans so until such time as each specific small area individual area. village uh, small area plan is done at which yes. time that would take precedence that's right but the consequence someone asked about what the consequence is any residential subdivision for example or anything that develops would not have in the interim if it's three or four years before the small area plans are developed. There would, would have, be no right. regulation for height or anything. Which is the current ordinance. Okay. And then on a separate, on a separate, uh, the AIOD, Airport Impact Overlay District, didn't we include a cutout on the, uh, of that overlay district on the um, western side of the airport, just north of uh, Route 50? Yes, we modified the okay, the and I think I voted area. against that. So, I would request, Mr. Chairman, could we um, split that this split this so that we can vote separately on AIOD? Um, no, I'm not going to accept that. And the reason is essentially we're introducing a new motion tonight. You're certainly free to make that motion for a subsequent work session, and we can consider that. I don't think we're going to close five tonight for another reason that I haven't mentioned yet. But I don't want to, if, if we're going to split out the AIOD, that essentially becomes a separate motion rather than just dealing with this specific. You're introducing a new motion tonight. I don't want to do that. You're free to introduce a new motion, which we can discuss at a subsequent work session if you'd like to do that. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I believe it's normally our policy that if any member wants to split a vote, we're not. I'm not adding anything new. I just want to vote against one particular AI, uh, one particular overlay district. Um, which, which motion are you splitting? You have to have a motion. any of them that impact the AIOD. I don't think we have. Chair Turner, can I make one clarification? Yeah, maybe right. helpful. The 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 map of the AIOD is not up for discussion with this. All right, it's so none of the motions impact the AIOD tonight. They the regulations, yes. The mapping and the cutouts you're referring to are not part of this discussion. That may not matter to you, but I wanted to make that. But I never want to be on record supporting the the current map. So if so, a vote for the chapter five or yeah, chapter five would not support the map because nothing that comes out of this process is going to change the map. We cannot change the map as part of this okay. process because right. there's no mapping component to this process. Thank you. This Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have a comment I want to make. Um, somehow we dove down the rabbit hole on Chapter 5 in a way that is really disturbing to me. So I'm going to ask staff a kind of a loaded question. What percentage would you say that the proposed Chapter 5 in the ZOR mirrors existing Chapter 5 or VCOD language? 
How close is it to what we have now, percentage? I, oh, gosh, I don't even know how to say it. If you took out VCOD, I would say it's probably 95%. Um, VCOD, it's probably 75, 80%. Okay. So overall, 95% is similar to what we have now, and VCOD is at least 75% similar to what we have now. So when I hear comments like, well, this is, this is way too prescriptive, we've got to start over again. I'm sorry, this process has been going on for two years. If you have a specific change that you want to propose to Chapter 5 and to the VCOD, then make that in the form of a motion. We don't need to close out Chapter 5 tonight, and we can pick it up at a future work session. But the notion that the, the generalized comment that, well, this, is, this just isn't ready for prime time, we need to push it off and consider it later, that's not acceptable at this late stage. So if you have specific changes, then the process is somebody make the specific change, recommend it to a supervisor, the supervisor crafts in the form of a motion, the motion is introduced to staff, they consider it and bring it forward at the next appropriate work session. That's the process. So general conversations about how Chapter 5 is unacceptable is it's just not appropriate at this stage in the process. Supervisor, or Chair Randall. First of all, I would associate myself with your comments, Mr. Mr. Chairman, because, I, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time, and if people have read your item, read these items, you know that most of it is still the same. Secondly, we do have representatives from these groups here who are here tonight, and I think you'll be surprised to hear that most of them, including them with the VCOD, quite honestly, probably wants this to go forward and doesn't want this to be stopped right now. I see jazz hands out there right now amongst people. Um, and so I, I, I think that, I think that, we're, we're getting a little gun shy to do anything. We, we don't want to do the wrong thing, so we're starting to do nothing. The truth is, we haven't done this since the revised 93. It's been a very long time. We're doing a lot, we're doing a lot of right things, and the staff is doing a lot of right things. Everybody just take a breath. We are talking to the industries. We are talking to our constituents on a regular basis. Um, we've had this stuff for a long time. One or two or even three um, emails does not make a flood of emails that's coming in. I'm getting all the emails you all are getting, and we're just not getting that many. We're just not. We don't respond to just one email when we have people who have been working this for, for a very long time. We, we, we have to keep marching people. We just do. We just got to take a breath, do our best, swallow, and keep marching forward. We cannot keep delaying stuff, especially when the people who are literally in the industry areas are sitting here looking at us saying, do it. Thank you. Other comments, Mr. Vice Chairman? Actually, I didn't have a comment. I was going to make a motion. Oh, make your motion. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's see. I'll just motion uh, number 10 in the packet, Chapter 5, Overlay Districts. Uh, I'll second that. Wait a minute, we haven't heard from the industry at all. Oh, correct. Oh, well. Correct. That is a correct point. Well, I was going to say in my statement that the industry supports this motion. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> we need, we need, nice try. We need to hear from the stakeholders. I don't that's think good that's call, Mike Kirshner. Um, well, any other questions for staff on Chapter 5? Supports it, yes. Mr. Vice Chair, thank you. Any other questions? Thank you. Can we have the stakeholders come forward for the comments on Chapter 5? First stakeholder, please. Do we know? I have the list. Oh, here it is. <clears throat> First stakeholder to speak is Mr. Eric Zicht. Whoops. 
stand by. Would you like staff to do the, the chapter six presentation? Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you, sorry, Eric. Thank you very much. Here's my list of speakers. Both five and six. Madam Chair, you can have the chair back anytime you want. I want to. <laughs> Thank you, staff. Go ahead. Okay. Chapter six is natural and environmental resources. Chapter six provides a new location for the River and Stream Corridor Resources Regulations, or the RISCR for short. The RISCR replaces the Scenic Creek Valley buffer in the current ordinance. Chapter six also includes the steep slope standards, which were pretty much carried over from the current ordinance. Section 601 determines the applicability and width of the RISCR, provides for exceptions from RISCR regulations, and allows limited uses within the RISCR buffer area. Section 602, contains regulations for determining the location of steep slope areas. S section 603 contains a use table for both risk or buffer and steep slope areas. Certain uses such as shared use paths, roads, driveways, and passive recreation are listed as permitted by right uses within both the risk or buffer and associated steep slope areas. And section 604 contains general development standards for both the risker and steep slope areas. For example, it tells you when a locational clearance, stormwater management, or grading permit are required. There are just a few changes comparing the current ordinance to the draft. Active recreation and stormwater management improvements are added as permitted uses within the minor floodplain risker areas. This was done for consistency with the general plan, floodplain overlay district, and FSM. And the width of the risker buffer area has changed. The draft establishes minimum 100 foot and 300 foot wide risker buffer areas to implement risker buffer policies in the general plan. Steep slope standards did not change, but they are now formatted so that they easily relate to the risker standards, so that the steep slope standards and risker standards can be easily aligned side by side because they can frequently both apply at the same time. Scenic rivers, the Potomac River, Bull Run, and Broad Run have greater protections and larger buffers, and other rivers and streams have a slightly smaller buffer. These risker areas replace the 150 to 250 foot wide buffers that were established in the Scenic Creek Valley buffer in the current ordinance and are consistent with the general plan. There are no outstanding issues. Public comment at the board hearing expressed support for environmental sustainability initiatives and natural resource protection. 
and in attachment to to the supplemental um, staff lists additional quality control changes for chapters five and six. That concludes the presentation. Thank you very much. And I noted, I saw a clear typo, and I flipped back to the correction section. It was the very first correction you guys made. The flip of the two sub paragraphs. Very good. Any questions from uh, Dais on Chapter Six, Supervisor Brisson? No, of course you got me first, and I was looking at her screen when I had the question. Um, so <laughs> there was one in that chart you just had. Is it the slide before? That one. On other creeks, rivers, and streams, why did we reduce the um, risker from 150 feet to 100? And what creeks and streams are we talking about? I'm, I'm thinking specifically of the Broad Run, or are we thinking about like Sugarland Run Creek? What do we? Uh, in most cases, this would be associated with um, streams within areas of minor floodplain or small tributary streams, um, and um, so we're not talking about broad run. We're talking about you know smaller creeks um, associated with minor floodplain. Um, I, I would say that while the uh, draft risker buffer area is uh, less than the current Scenic Creek Valley buffer, the restrictions and performance standards and development standards within the draft risker um, is more stringent than the current um, Scenic Creek Valley buffer. Okay. All right. Thank you. Other questions on Chapter 6? Thank you, staff, very much. And we'll now hear from the stakeholders. This is the appropriate time for the stakeholders. And our first stakeholder is, in fact, Mr. Zick. Mr. Zick, you're speaking on behalf of the Chamber Data Centers and Tourism represented that? Yes, Chamber of Commerce. Thank My name's much. Eric Zick. I'm an engineer, surveyor, and land planner. I've been working in Loudoun County since 1986. This will be my fourth zoning ordinance in that time. I apologize for being so tardy in submitting my comments. As uh, Chair, Chairman Chair Randall has said, uh, my parents turned 94 this last month. Uh, and we've been having a lot of health problems. I've been working with them, so I apologize for being late on my comments. I have one comment on Chapter 6 about the River and Stream Corridor Resource Area, or RESCAR. It's really a redo of something that was proposed 10, 15 years ago. It was called RESCOD then. It was an overlay district. It was unpopular then and was not adopted. I bring it to your attention only because it about doubles the area that is made off limits to any kind of development uh, from the floodplain area. My main comments tonight are about the village uh, conservation overlay district. In the 2019, uh, 2019 comprehensive plan, it calls for neighborhood consultation and small area plans for all the rural villages. Logically, don't you think that you should do that before you adopt regulations, new regulations? Uh, as a former member of ZOAC, uh, the Zoning Ordinance Committee, I saw these recommendations early on. I thought they were a draft first proposal, and I, when I was sitting on ZOAC, I thought that we had voted unanimously that we would do the small area plans before actually uh, adopting regulations. 
Um, you're doing this with St. Louis, and I applaud you for that. I guess I wasn't aware of the other communities that you were doing it for, but you aren't doing it for Paonian Springs, which is probably the largest of your villages, or for Waterford, shouldn't those? And those are such different communities. Um, don't these larger villages merit the same uh, thing? Um, the proposed standards are very idealistic. They really don't work in a lot of my communities. My office is in Paonian Springs. I can't meet some of these criteria. Nobody can. How can you have a uniform backyard and front yard when you've got, in the case of Bowmantown, lots that are one acre and 20 acres adjoining each other? My time's up. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Zick. Uh, Mr. Canonico from the commercial development community. Members of the board, my name is Lou Canonico with IMEG. I'm here representing NAOP this evening. Uh, I'm pleased to say that NAOP has no specific issues with the proposals in Chapter 5 and 6. We thank the board for the work that they have been doing and uh, incorporating a number of recommendations that, that NAOP has made. Um, having said that, I would caution the board, um, like Eric, uh, this, will, this would be the, f the fourth zoning ordinance that I would have been involved in. I've had, I had the pleasure of having to deal with new zoning ordinances. I can guarantee you, having gone through that process a number of times, no matter how hard everybody tries to get it right, there's always going to be unintended consequences. And when I look at some new provision like the risker, I, I can't help but believe that once you start applying this criteria to specific parcels, you'll start seeing certain things. So I just encourage the board with any implementation motion that there is a rigorous process for the staff to monitor, perhaps with uh, ZO, uh, the zoning ordinance committee, what they're seeing in terms of issues that, that are, are being developed. I would say specific as to this slide. The way that the risker is measured is different from the way the Scenic Creek Valley buffer is measured. So that 150 feet to 100 foot comparison is somewhat uh, deceiving because it's not apples to apples, so to speak. But again, no specific issues with, with Chapter 5 and Chapter 6, and we thank the board for your efforts in this matter. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Uh, Mr. Matt Lawrence from the Residential Development Community. Uh, good evening, board, and again, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to speak this evening and also, again, acknowledge the efforts of county staff through this process. With respect to Chapter 5, for the most part, the residential development community has been operating under the application of overlay districts for quite some time and understands the issues that can arise as a result of those overlays. Therefore, we don't really have any many, uh, many talking points on Chapter 5 for the residential development community. I would like to provide some comment on Chapter 6 and the codification of the river and stream corridor resources. The 2019 general plan cites the risker as applying to rivers and streams that drain 100 acres or more. Chapter 6, as written, makes no distinction as to drainage area, just identifies rivers, streams, and other water bodies as being subject to this regulation. The setbacks identified in Chapter 6 are based on the ordinary high water mark, and there are streams with drainage areas of much less than 100 acres that will exhibit an ordinary high water mark. There is no definition of a stream in the zoning ordinance, and I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not suggesting one be added, as streams are subject to the Army Corps 
the designations. However, it is unclear if the regulations of this chapter will be dictated by the Army Corps definitions and the subsequent Army Corps and DEQ permitting process, or is there another authority within the county that will try to dictate or define a stream? This ambiguity, this ambiguity adds uncertainty to the process. As it would appear, we will be chasing two separate approvals on not only what defines a stream, but what the DEQ and Corps allows versus what this chapter allows. Secondly, at one point earlier in the rewrite process, there was an exhibit associated with a text that clarified the features and associated buffers identified in Table 6.01-1. That exhibit provided much needed clarity to the text and would urge it be included in the ordinance as a guide to applying the standards of Chapter 6. There is little doubt that Chapter 6 is written places additional regulations on streams outside of the 100-acre drainage area cited in the 2019 general plan. Given the potential impact of Chapter 6 to the typical environmental processes we already follow, we would ask and request for clarification be considered. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Uh, next up is uh, Ms. Sasha Brower speaking for the Attainable Affordable Housing. Good evening, Chairman Good evening. Turner and Supervisors. My name is Sasha Brower. I'm a land use attorney with Walsh Gallucci, and thank you for the opportunity to speak with you this evening. First of all, I just want to express my appreciation uh, for the time and energy you all have spent and invested in this process. I was last before you at the July 26th public hearing, and I've been encouraged by the progress that has been made. I'm here tonight to make a few uh, high-level comments for your consideration on the Affordable Housing Chapter 9 uh, chapter, which I believe will be on the October 30th agenda, so just some high-level comments uh, for your consideration this evening. Uh, in reviewing the current draft of Chapter 9, I don't think that the current draft quite gets us where we need to be with affordable housing. Uh, there's some unnecessary restrictions that I think uh, could be eliminated to allow for increased production of affordable housing. Uh, for example, ADUs are now required to be provided proportionally for every unit type in a project. Although I believe I understand the intention there, I think a restriction like that limits the degree of flexibility that an applicant um, can propose an innovative solution for a unique type of project. Uh, along those same lines, I would recommend taking a look at creating some additional incentives to increase affordable housing. The draft zoning ordinance provides, provides an option for bonus density. However, that's usually not um, pursued by applicants. So providing um, some other incentives that would encourage more affordable housing, such as potentially fast-tracking an application that goes above and beyond the minimum requirements. Uh, and lastly, the draft chapter nine uh, regulates both ADUs and UNUs. And it's somewhat confusing as to why and how these are two different regulatory tools. I believe the current draft has provided some additional clarification there. But, um, you know, I think clarifying those tools and how they work um, would be helpful for applicants and understanding that process. Thank you for all you do and for considering my comments. Thank you very much. Do we have a representative from uh, Stakeholder Group 5, Conservation, Preservation, present? Thank you. That would be me, Madeline Skinner from Loudoun Historic Village Alliance. <laughs> Good evening, Chair Turner, Chair Good Randall, evening. supervisors and staff. My name is Madeline Skinner, Chair of the Loudoun Historic Village Alliance. As LHVA made significant progress with their 2019 comp plan revisions, they need, the need to implement the associated zoning ordinances is critical to provide much needed protection for the rural historic villages. The last few years, villages have been faced with ongoing battles to preserve the rural historic goals of the 2019 comp plan's rural historic village policy and its related strategies and actions. 
We support small area plans. We would have loved to have been working on small area plans for the last few years, but I think we and staff have been a little bit busy, so we haven't been able to do that. So we support, we support them. We look forward to working on them. We hope that would be very soon, but you could be looking two or three years down the road. This action will provide county with additional guidance to further develop zoning regulations to better implement the rural historic village place type. We support all of the staff revisions. We are talking almost a dozen villages and hundreds of residents. We all support the guidelines that have been outlined by the staff. We also appreciate the staff that they uh, understood our concern on the building height, revised the wording, which uh, took away our motion, motion 12, and we support motion 11. Uh, just to change the subject here for a moment, um, allowing wholesale modifications to chapter five is not acceptable and should not be included in the subcommittee review. The overlay districts are designed to protect humans, animals, and wildlife and contribute to the health, safety, and welfare of all in the community for quality of life, heritage, and environmental concerns. Regarding the mountain overlay district, organizations including Friends of Blue Ridge Mountains, PEC, Loudoun Wildlife, thank staff for including the current language, protecting the rich features and springs, knowing there will be future refinements needed to be more stringent and protective. As part of the future rural ZOAM, additional mod changes should be included to address ongoing concerns and issues. Improved protections for overlay districts and starting rural village small area plans are why we stress the importance of wrapping up the zoning ordinance rewrite this year and to be able to move forward knowing there is still work to be done for the outstanding ZOAMs in 2024. We have been on this for three years and all of a sudden one person, one person representing the development community is trying to throw us under the bus and I just don't agree with that. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, and a speaker from the Conservation Preservation Group. Hi, um, my name is Michael Myers and I'm representing wildlife conservation stakeholders tonight. Uh, we are appreciative of staff listening to and including recommendations from the past three plus years in regards to natural environmental resources such as language included in Table 6.04-1 General Development Standards in regards to permeable surfaces, Virginia natural heritage resources, Virginia wildlife and habitat, and preserving existing vegetation. While we do not support active recreation uses within the risk or buffer associated with the minor floodplain as allowed by the 2019 general plan, we are supportive of other efforts by staff to align the risk or language and the zoning ordinance with the general plan, including improved stream protections via the management buffer and adjacent steep slopes language. Additionally, ridge and spring setbacks in the mountainside overlay district are a good starting point for protecting environmental features. We are cognizant of time constraints to address every outstanding issue, and we want you to approve the zoning ordinance this term, so we urge you to prioritize future ZOAMs to address uses in the floodplain overlay district, and especially the mountainside overlay district, which could happen as part of the future ZOAM on rural use-specific standards. From our perspective, these environmental protections are the least we can do, and tables and content in chapters five and six should not be modifiable, modifiable more than what is already allowed. Protecting natural environmental resources doesn't end with chapter six, adequate development standards in chapter seven and appropriate uses and use specific standards in chapters three and four are equally important to protect natural resources and the quality of life for all residents. We stand with other preservation stakeholders to stress the need to consider raising motions submitted prior to the September 26 work session to address quality control issues for equal application of noise regulations to all use specific standards, adequate setbacks for uses in proximity to residential properties and a definition of farm. Standards that protect the environment would also increase the quality of services and products businesses produce and host, and the businesses become better and more responsible neighbors and stewards of our landscapes. 
These minor changes we propose to support rural residents in the same manner as you have done for suburban residents are doable without extending the timeline to approve the zoning ordinance. And while we look forward to participating in future ZOAMs discussions, we've been providing thoughtful input for over three years to improve the zoning ordinance and support much of what staff has presented. So thank you for your time and considerations and for your efforts to approve the zoning ordinance this year. Thank you very much. Uh, and board members, we will now entertain motions on chapter five. Uh, first one is a staff motion, motion number 10. Mr. Chairman, um, I cannot believe I'm saying this, but you want to give the board a break? Oh, oh, that's right. I'm substituting for uh, chair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna go on for you go on for another hour or so before we take a break. I'm cool with that. Uh, yeah, let's take that 10 minutes. Thank you very much. Okay.
All right, everyone. Uh, we will begin to entertain motions on Chapter 5. And uh, the first one is a staff motion. Uh, I'll make that motion. Uh, I move uh, motion number 10. I'll just read the title, Section 5.07D, Village Conservation Overlay District Development Standards. Uh, it's proposed by staff. It looks like a relatively uh, innocuous word change. Um, the notes staff is seeking board direction on whether I apologize. Who would like the second? <laughs> I actually hadn't, fin re I hadn't finished reading the motion, oh, but no, 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 by all means, correct at any time. All right, so the second will go to Supervisor Briskman. No, no, okay, no, no, first. Chair Randall gets a second. Okay, fine. We're out of control here. Um, brief discussion on the motion. You're right, I did go to brief, uh, brief the, uh, the narrative here. Staff seeking board direction on whether to include language clarifying that the Village Conservation Overlay District Development Standards apply to all new construction, including additions to existing and accessory buildings and new subdivisions within the VCOD. That's the extent of my opening comments. Any other comments, Supervisor Brisman? Uh, thank you for, for moving forward these notions, uh, these motions. I think it's important that even though we are going to be doing village plans later, that we set out some standards um, that I know that staff and the community has been working on for a really, really long time. Thank you. Thank you. Other comments? Yes, Brother Kirshner. Yes, so I, I continue to have concerns. Um, can, well, can staff help me understand what it, this just lays out the new standards and the new to the villages? Is that correct? Can you give me a little bit of clarity on this? This motion? applies to every single village conservation overlay district in the county. Okay. All right. So with all these motions that we're dealing with here on in with the villages, I, I continue to be concerned that they do it, one size does not fit all. Um, I think this one's probably okay, although I'm not entirely um, sure. I really would prefer that we move this to a future when we actually do these small area plans, because it would seem to me that we can can set this up on these small area plans, this specific, the zoning itself. I am concerned that some of these motions that we're about to go through will actually have application that is un with unintended consequences. And um, do have we looked into, just out of curiosity, um, whether or not the new fire station that is currently planned in Philemont, whether any of these motions will affect that or not? I have not looked at that specifically, but I can. Do you have a motion? The, there is. The only motion that's available is a motion to table if you want to push it off to a future date. I, I would motion to table this for now. So you're moving to table. Is there a second? Second. Supervisor Armstrong seconds. No debate. All those in favor of tabling this motion to a future session, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed? Nay. That motion will fail 2-7. We're back to the original motion. Um, other discussion items? I think I saw a light. Uh, it might have been Supervisor Umstadt. Any other lights? Any discussion? Chair So thank you, Mr. Chairman. So we have been doing this for three years. and if. And, and first of all, remember these are straw poll votes, and so if we need to go, if we do some more studying or talk to somebody else before the process, uh, before we do a, do a certifying, but we can do that. But 
I, I would also say that th there are times that I'm just not going to substitute my, my judgment for that of staff and of constituents, our constituents who are, who, who one, live there, and two, who are, have been deeply involved in this process for three years, who talk to their neighbors, who talk to their friends, who knows the, the, the feeling of, of, the, of the areas that we're talking about. Um, I try to talk to all these, all of our, um, all of our industry groups often. That's why I put this in place to have the industry groups talk to us. I I don't know why we ask the industry groups to talk to us, and then never ever hear what they have to say, or take their advice, or listen to what they're what they're saying or why. So we have all the industry groups and the staff saying this is why we're doing this. Now, of course, you know, it's, it's always our decision, and I realize that, and I, I, I appreciate that. But, but we know we're going to have to circle back to things that are in the rural policy areas anyway. We know that. That's not a, a question. Th but there is no reason to not do what we, some of the things that we can do right now. And if it's a definition, I might, I might or might not do that because it's a different issue. Mm. But for this item and for these issues, I don't see any reason to put this off. And in fact, just the opposite. I would want to thank both staff and thank, and I'll call names, Mara Walsh Copeland, Jim, Binga, T uh, Jim Bingo, Tia Ehrman, um, Malin Skinner, who are doing this stuff, I mean, like every single day. And so, um, so yeah, I fully support this motion, and, 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 I, and I will say that I'm going to listen to the voices of the, pe the people who live in these areas. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Madam Chair, Mr. Buffington. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to thank the same folks that Chair Randall uh, thanked for all their work on this. I am currently not sure where I'm at on this, uh, and I want to vote with intention, as uh, Chair Randall always tells us. And as these are straw poll votes, I'm going to abstain currently and wait and see where I'm at before we make the final vote on all of the, the ZOR. So that uh, basically reserves the right to vote differently or consider other motions and be clear about that. Uh, with my intention here with this vote tonight, I'll be abstaining on this one. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor <clears throat> Buffington. Mr. Kirshner. I just want to associate my comments as well with, with Supervisor Buffington. That's my intention as well. Okay. Uh, motion has been made. Motion, I'm sorry, Madam Chair. Point of, a point of, uh, point of clarification. On a straw poll vote, and, and I'm not saying I'm doing anything different, just clarify, on a straw poll vote, because it's a straw poll vote, even if you are, are not on the prevailing side of a vote, you could always bring it back because it's, it's a straw poll vote. And it's not the, the, so I'm not saying I'm doing anything different. I'm just giving you all that information to have going forward. Uh, okay. I, okay. Can I get a clarification? I'm sorry, from staff, uh, Mr. Rogers. We had this discussion, I think, at the last session. A, mo a straw poll vote that failed does not require a reconsideration by a member of the prevailing side? That's right. As you have a straw poll vote, you, you're taking the feel of the board, and it's very similar to what you do with the budget, and you put together the whole package that you can then vote on. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you very much. Motion's been made and seconded. Uh, I have no close. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed? And 
abstentions. Abstain. Abstain. That motion will pass uh, six, one, two. Six, one, two. The next motion is again a staff motion. Uh, motion number 11 um, deals with building heights, and I'm going to make that motion. I move motion 11. Second, Second by Vice Chair Sains. Uh, opening comments for myself. I had a long discussion with staff over this one, and essentially, and staff, please correct me if I'm wrong. The language proposed by staff here takes into account that the, the prevailing architectural type in our villages are two-story buildings, and that under the current language, it's possible that if you took the average height on 150 either side of center line, that just a few one-story buildings could make it impossible to reach the 25% threshold and allow you to build a two-story building. The new language basically says, if you're going to do an average, it's an average of like buildings with the same number of stories you're considering. I didn't, I, I just moved forward the, the uh, stakeholder five and six request to put that motion in, but my discussion with you clarified that and the item that I read clarified it. So I'm very fine with this motion. I will not be making motion number 12. So motion number 11 is made and seconded. Any other questions or discussion on motion 11? Hearing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed, that motion will pass 9-0. I'm abstaining. I'm sorry, that motion will pass 8-0-1. I didn't catch your abstention, thank you. I will not be making motion 12. Motion 13 is a staff motion again. Has to do with average, average front yard calculations. Um, and I will move motion 13. Second. I hear a second by Vice Chair Sains. Um, I have no further discussion on the calculation of average front yard. This seems reasonable to me. Any questions on average front yard on this motion? Supervisor Rumstein. I, I think this falls under the same problem that uh, Supervisor Kirshner brought up earlier. Um, that these these villages are different one to the next. The yards are different uh, widths, lengths, and um, so I cannot support this at this time. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Kirshner. And I mean, they, again, all these different lot sizes within these villages are different, and so I think what you're going to create is actually unintended consequences. And each and again, one size does not fit all in these villages. I'm going to abstain from this vote. Um, we're, I'm going to come back and revisit. I'm going to try to see those within the industry and talk to see if there's any wiggle room here. But it, we're, we're, we're setting a very stringent sort of requirement here. Um, and I'm concerned that it's going to have unintended consequences. And listen, I get calls from the villages, from Western Lounge, from the rural area all the time when, when different overlay requirements. I mean, it happens in the steep slopes. It happens in the... Um, limestone it happens in your village and someone's trying to do something really good and guess what they can't i had a couple um old ladies who because of the steep slopes they had a perfectly property they wanted to sell their property they wanted to develop one house i'm just giving you an example and they they could not they, they were going to end of life care and they couldn't sell their property to go to end of life care so there are intended consequences on these things i'm going to abstain I was laughing at Thank the, you. the oh, Supervisor Lieutenant. Yeah, I, I wonder if I'm missing something a little bit here because I kind of read this clarification to actually make it easier to do something 
not more difficult. And my colleagues are acting like this is more restrictive, but I actually think the what you're arguing about is the existing language, not the amendment. The amendment is saying basically you have to have some calculation for a non-conforming front yard with that crotches into the right of way. So you're you're setting that at zero. And absent that, wouldn't it be worse? Wouldn't it be more difficult to build something? Yes, because you wouldn't know what that front yard would be to use in the calculation for the average. Right. So I, I, I appreciate where my colleagues are coming from, but I, I don't think it's logical because this amendment is actually trying to address some of the things that you're expressing concern about. I think there are other issues potentially with this chapter, maybe, but and maybe there's other you know amendments or whatever that want to be offered. But I don't I don't know that the ones that were actually in front of us are are really problematic. So I would support it. Thank you. Other comments? Seeing none, uh, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Yes. And abstentions? Yes. That motion will pass 711. Uh, next motion is also a staff motion. Uh, I move motion 14, I'll just read the title, section 5.079, Village Conservation Overlay District variation of lot sizes and dimensions. Uh, this is very similar, and do I have a second? Second. Second, Supervisor Brisbane. Uh, very similar to the prior motion, it allows a calculation of varying lot sizes. Um, and I'm comfortable with this motion. Any other comments or questions on this motion? Going once, going twice, seeing none. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Yes. Uh, motion will pass eight, one, Eight one, you abstained again. Seven one one, thank you. Um, and finally, a motion which I will make, and I'm going to read the entire motion, uh, and then I have some comments about that motion. Uh, I move chapter. Uh, I move motion fifteen, chapter five, overlay districts. I move that the board of supervisors endorse chapter five, overlay districts of ZOAM twenty twenty dash zero 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 one. Zoning ordinance rewrite as presented in attachment one to the October 2nd, 2023 Board of Supervisors Committee, the whole work session supplemental action item, subject to all revisions reflected in the motions approved by the Board of Supervisors during its October 2nd, 2023 work session. I further move that the Board of Supervisors direct staff to make the additional staff recommended revisions as presented in attachment two to the October 2nd, 2023 Board of Supervisors Committee, the whole work session supplemental action item and attachment four, correction sheet to the October 2nd, 2023 Board of Supervisors Committee of the Whole Work Session Supplemental Action, uh, action Item. Second. Seconded by Chair Randall. Uh, opening comments. Um, I <coughs> strongly endorse this motion. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first chapter that we're approving? Mm -mm. The no. second. Second. Endorse chapter one. Oh, that's right. <laughs> chapter one. Um, uh, I had a long conversation with the Dulles Area Association of Realtors, and they had running into serious legal issues with the current language in the disclosure paragraph. It's so detailed that what they've encountered is people are entering into contracts to buy homes, then changing their mind, not wanting to buy the home, and going straight to this paragraph and finding really minute reasons why they can back out of the contract because we didn't comply exactly with all the detailed requirements in the disclosure paragraph. 
They have talked to me about a change. That change seems to be a little bit more complex than I expected it would be. I may come back subsequently before the final Zor vote to make a motion to amend that language in Chapter 5, but I may not. So in the interim, I'm happy to approve moving Chapter 5 forward. Any other items on Chapter 5? Supervisor? Yeah, just since that issue got brought up, I had a similar conversation with Dar, um, and there was clearly just some lack of basic understanding on both sides going on here, um, because when I started explaining how we didn't actually change the requirement, we just changed the map, a lot of them hadn't been using the requirement. So what I committed to them, and I know we kind of started the process of, was to set up sort of a working group discussion with staff that were involved from the county attorney's office and that were involved in the creation of that amendment or that update and DAR so that we could talk through these issues. I'm not sure exactly where that stands. I know we have a lot of the same staff are involved in this, so it may not have actually progressed, but you may remember some email traffic not if you do, so at least there's some confirmation I'm not making all this up um, about this. And I would like for that to occur, and, and I especially I wouldn't want to make any changes before it did. So um, just kind of flagging that as, as we continue the discussion. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Supervisor Turner. That's good news. I'm, I'm pleased to hear that. Uh, Supervisor Brisma. Uh, thank you, Chair. No, I just want to say I feel very comfortable with three, these three motions, knowing that staff worked with advocates for our villages um, to put this together, and I appreciate all the work that they did on this. And um, these are very special places, and I, I feel like we're working toward a nice balance to make sure that they can be preserved, but also you know leave some room for other stuff with, with the understanding that the Village Alliance supports it. So thank you. Thank you. I just want to reiterate what Mr. Mr. Letourneau said earlier. We didn't, not only did we not make anything more stringent, we made things more flexible in these motions. And I don't know how people are reading this to think that they're more stringent. I think because we know that the villages are different place to place to place, we worked to try to, um, we worked, or staff worked with the Village Alliance to make sure that people understood the difference between one village to the next and that you know Waterford is very different than Peonia Springs and and so we made things more flexible so that each village can make some decisions that they feel like they want to make for their for their area and I don't know how that got lost but I think that it, it it's it was worth um, um, reiterating that that's what that's what these motions are doing here thank you mr. chairman thank you madam chair and uh, if I could just we're in a committee of the whole yet, so I'm going to go out of turn because I just want to clarify that last comment. And let me ask staff, when we passed the AIOD, was it last year, two years ago? When we passed the AIOD? January. In January. Did we change the disclosure language from what it had been? I, I was under the impression we did change the disclosure language. I, I, we, t we tried to clarify the original intent that, it, that the disclosure be made for any sale and not just the first one. Right, but the, I think the underlying issue that's been brought to us is one of um, implementation on the end of the realtor, not not necessarily Correct. an issue with the exact language that changed. But Correct. But I wanted to point out to Chair Randall that that the problem that they're having is not a result of the proposed language. The problem they're having is now with the practical implementation of the AIOD disclosure language we passed last January. It wasn't talking about the AIOD. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I was on the impression. No, I wasn't talking about the AIOD. Okay, my apologies. Um, Supervisor Rumstein. Oh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, 
I, I would echo what Supervisor Letourneau said on um, the, the idea of getting together with representatives of uh, the Dulles Area Association of Realtors. Uh, they have consistently brought up the point of confusion over what the obligations are to disclose overlay districts. Um, so I think it is a good idea to uh, meet with them. I still find this to be trying to come up with another term for overly prescriptive. I mean, that's the common one. But I do believe that this does not take into consideration the very different designs of the different villages. So I will be not be supporting this motion of endorsement at this time. I also would note, in defense of some of our friends who work in the development industry, um, like Mr. Zick, he lives in one of the villages. He lives in Paonian Springs, so he knows what he's talking about no, when he that. says there's a problem. I would also point out that <laughs> as, opposed, as opposed to uh, statements that have been made that we've all had this for three years. No, we haven't. We have had it since July 6th, and changes have been made throughout the process going up to that date. And it's no wonder that various sectors of our economy are having trouble wrapping their minds around what this says and trying to get effective uh, comments into us. So that is all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Supervisor Kirshner. Thank you. Um, so the two lawyers on the board say this is over-prescriptive. Um, one of the engineers here says this is going to be problematic for our villages. Um, and we just are getting ignored through this whole process. Um, and clearly, the, you know, I, listen, I, I more than anyone want to protect our towns and our villages. What I am very concerned about is that one size does not fit all. And that's why I have always thought that when we get to these small area plans, and we're already doing two, we're doing Luckett's and we're doing um, St. Louis, and we have a number of other villages that I think would serve really, really well to, do, to, to rewrite our zoning for that particular village when we do those. I think that was really the concept that I had in mind all the time, that we would protect and put the necessary impacts into the villages. I feel like this has somewhat, and, and truthfully, I just have to disagree with my colleagues that somehow this is making things far, far easier. Um, I, I just don't, or don't think that is accurate. But with that said, um, I understand the will of the board has decided to move forward on this, and I, again, I'm going to oppose moving this forward just simply because I think it is not the best practice. We should stop. We should take our time. We should make sure we get this right into the future. And I think kind of going this route is probably not the wisest, honestly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm going to vote in support of this motion. And since we had so many votions on specifically the Village Conservation Overlay District, I want to specify that the one of the one motion I did abstain on, the reason I abstained on motion number 10 was because it talks about whether or not to apply this to um, new construction, which I'm fine with, but also it includes uh, additions to existing and accessory buildings. And I'm not sure where I'm at on that yet. That is the specific reason that I voted again, or that I abstained from motion 10. Thank you. Mr. Vice Chair. Uh, thank you. Just like to quickly clarify the record, Mr. Zick or Zacht or Zick, Zick 
uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing it uh, incorrectly, he, his job is in the rural, his office is in Peony Springs area, but he actually lives in Fairfax County. So just wanted to clarify that. Thank you, Mr. Vice Chair. Um, the only point I would make is if we hold off on the zoning ordinance rewrite until we have found a way to accommodate 12 different villages in a single village conservation overlay district, um, we'll be here forever. This will never get approved. The correct answer is small area plans. There's no question about it, it's small area plans. That's years away. In the interim, staff has attempted to refine this language to make a better village conservation overlay district. I think they've achieved that goal. Motions been made and seconded to endorse chapter five. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed? That motion will pass seven to two. I will move right into motion uh, 16, uh, which is an endorsement of chapter six. Uh, I move motion 16, chapter six, natural environmental resources. I move that the Board of Supervisors endorse chapter six, natural and environmental resources of ZOM 2020-0001, zoning ordinance rewrite as presented in attachment one to the October 2nd, 2023 Board of Supervisors Committee of the Whole Work Session Supplemental Action Item subject to all revisions reflected in the motions approved by the Board of Supervisors during its October 2nd, 2023 work session. I further move that the Board of Supervisors direct staff to make the additional staff recommended revisions as presented in attachment two to the October 2nd, 2023 Board of Supervisors Committee of the whole work session supplemental action item. Second. Second by Chair Randall. Uh, I have no discussion, comments or Discussion items. Supervisor Armstrong. Yes, uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I I remain concerned <clears throat> that we do not have um, accurate cost information on how much it's going to cost a family to uh, abide by these rules. Um, and the question is whether uh, whether additional setbacks from a stream or a spring is actually going to be effective in preserving water quality there. Uh, my understanding is that the further you move back from the stream, the better it gets up to a certain point, and then any movement further away uh, does not have any positive impact. So we don't have the cost information. Uh, some of us have asked for it, and staff has been willing to look at it. But even if you look at, say, the $8,000 that it might cost to have, or the $3,000 to have a, a geophysical study done, um, that still does not include the cost of hiring someone to represent you before staff and the time you lose when you go through a staff process. We've had severe pushback from uh, rural residents in the past when a previous board um, increased buffer areas. Um, they, they could not understand it. I don't think, and again, I'm gonna go, go with the fact that we've only had this since July. The public in the rural areas has not had adequate time to look at this. Uh, so I will be opposing it at this time. Thank you, Supervisor Armstrong. Chair Rennell. 
So we've only had this since July, but the public and many of the people who have spoken in this room were actually on the zoning ordinance committees. They've actually been here from the, from the first day we started this. And so let's not make a mistake about what, when we received it and when, and when most of the people who are sitting in this room speaking in, in, in support were literally on all these committees from the, from the first day we started. Um, and if, like me, you all were talking to staff, you were talking to your planning commissioner, um, you were talking to the constituents who have spoken on these issues, yes, we got it in July, but that wasn't the first time we ever saw it. That wasn't the first time we ever read about it. That's the first time we ever heard about it, and not the first time we talked to constituents. We've been doing this for three years. We got it in July. We didn't see anything for the very first time in July, and certainly Mountain and Skinner didn't see it for the first time in July. Jim Bingle didn't see it for the first time in July. Tia Ehrman didn't see it for the first time in July. Michael Myers didn't see it for the first time in July. And Mauer Walsh Copeland, who submitted 251 comments, didn't see it for the first time in July. This, we have been doing this for a while now. And I don't know, truthfully, I think the bigger question would be, what is the cost to a family who builds on, on, on karst land or somewhere you shouldn't build? What is the cost then, and how does that work? So I will be supporting this motion. Thank you, Madam Chair. Other comments? Supervisor Kirshner. I'm gonna go ahead and vote to move this forward, but um, I, I will associate myself with um, Ms. Umstead's comments in terms of the waterways. I'm, it's not, it, to me, we may be overreaching a little bit here. Um, I'm not sure what I'll do when we get down. I mean, moving it at 300 feet is quite significant. I think we're at 250 on the Potomac and whatnot. So um, those, those, those as well as a few other are my concerns. Thank you. Other comments? Motion has been made and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed? I hear one nay. Do I hear another nay? I said I'm Yeah, okay. So it's an eight. That motion will pass 8 1. Um, I do not plan to make the motion on Chapter 7 or the motion on Chapter 10. If someone else would like to make those motions, you're certainly free to do so, but I don't plan to do that. I'm sorry. They're in the motion pass. Going once, going twice. Hearing no other business before the board, I call us adjourned. Thank you all very much.